So, Father, may our hopes and all of our dreams, may all of our aspirations, may all of our disappointments, may all of our hurts yield to you, that in you we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Father, may all that is within us, may our soul be focused on you. May all that is within us praise you for who you are, what you've done, what you are doing, and the future of where we put our hope and trust in you for, for things to come. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. A little more. Good morning. That's good. Thank you. I'm glad everybody is wide awake. You may be seated. Well, it is good to see you. Thanks for braving the weather, those of you that are here. And uh, obviously, many of you are online and probably uh, are warmer than we are. Uh, but it is good to have all of you here today. Uh, our, uh, our focus verse is going to be, our chapter is going to be Psalm 103. You might want to go ahead and find uh, your Bible and turn to Psalm uh, 103. And it will actually, Psalm 103, verse 1, will be our prayer directive, but we'll get to that in just a few moments. So last week we started a brand new series called Follow Him, and we decided that 2021 does not need to be a year defined by our circumstances, but instead we are going to grow through our circumstances. So we have nailed and said this is what we are claiming 2021 to be, the year of growth by following Him, which in other words we want to say, so today what you want to see tomorrow and that is what we're going to be doing for the next several weeks as we talk about what does it look like to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about as a church, we are com committed to following him. So that uh, over the next several weeks we'll be talking about what does it mean to follow him in all the aspects of that. Or as Brent said last week, we're going to do, uh, we're, we're doing what Jesus did in order to become like Jesus was. They say, what did Jesus do? What were the habits he was involved in? And as a church, we've identified some of the most effective daily habits that can help us pursue Jesus and know Jesus and not just know what he said, but also to do what Jesus did in order to become like Jesus was. And so I want to encourage you, don't be overwhelmed at this point. Uh, I want you to realize that we have uh, identified some habits that are doable, they are sustainable, they are life-changing habits. And uh, as John Ortberg says, habits eat good intentions for breakfast. And so we can, be, we can talk about all the good intentions we, we want to talk about, but instead what we are nailing down is say, what are the habits, what are the things that Jesus did? What are some ways that we can pursue Jesus in ways uh, to, to grow in our walk with Jesus? And so that's where we're headed over the next several weeks as well. Uh, if we are going to reach the next generation, which is certainly the Great Commission to reach those who don't know Jesus, then to reach them and help them to be developed as fully devoted followers of Christ, if we're going to do that, there must be a clear, consistent path. And we've identified a path that has four action steps. And we are going to talk about these four over the next uh, several weeks. One is our desires for everyone, which not doesn't just include brand new followers of Jesus, but we are challenging those of us that are a bit seasoned in our walk with God to re-engage in these life-changing habits and to uh, take on some next steps. So the, uh, the, the four are uh, experience God, which we'll talk about over the next couple of weeks. Then we'll follow with choose community, 
to invest in others, and to share Jesus. So as we talk about what does it look like to worship from here on out this morning, I want you to think in terms of not just what does the church do, but how do you and I engage in worship? Because what we're going to find is worship, reading the Bible, and prayer are going to be huge in bringing about life transformation. And so uh, let me just, before we jump into identifying and defining worship, let me talk about this. Lifeway did some research, and they found churches that had transformation going on in the, church, in the lives of the church members. So not just growing churches, they found churches of all kinds, and not just the largest churches, but they went in looking for, uh, for finding churches where their members were growing in their personal walk with God, their lives were being transformed, and they found those people and did some research with them. 75% of those that they uh, interviewed, 75% agreed that they see evidence of God changing their lives as a direct result of their worship service and their, uh, their personal worship experiences. Don't hide your plane over that. When you hear 75% of the people who are seeing their personal life being transformed by Jesus, and you say, what, what do you ascribe to that? Then I think the next thing is the ding, 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 the clue bell goes off saying, if 75% of the people all agreed on this, what are they agreeing upon? And they said corporate worship and personal worship are huge in helping them connect in their lives being changed. So let's, um, let's define what worship is, and then we'll jump into Psalm 103. Worship is ascribing unspeakable value and displaying substantial love to something or someone. Regardless of what that thing is, we're all worshiping. We are all worshipers. That comes out of our actual uh, U-version study this week. So hopefully, if you don't have a plan, uh, this is a great study put out by uh, Life Church, and uh, this was their definition. And our own Dr. Wellstead already uh, let the cat out of the bag. He said it's much simpler than that. It's worship is our response to God. So that's doable, and we will hang on to that. So let's combine the two together. Let's define it this way. Worship is our response to God by ascribing unspeakable value and displaying substantial love to Jesus. We were created for worship. We were created to worship. The key is, the fact is, all of us worship something or someone. We're all worshipers. We all ascribe unspeakable value and display substantial love to something or to someone. We all worship, and so the key is going to be what direction is our worship going? What direction are our values headed? What direction are we giving our love? Genesis 1-1 probably is, has the four most thunderous words of, of all the Bible. There could be some others that compete with it. But let's think about this. The first four words, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. That, that alone sends a direction of our worship. Not in the beginning you, not in the beginning me, but in the beginning God. And when we hang on to that, it really does change everything from the way you address just normal life. If you believe that in the beginning God, and then we add the fifth word, created, 
it changes everything because everything was created, everything that was created was made by God. It was made for God. All the glories of the created world were designed to point to His glory. So the, the, the key for us is to figure out where is our worship going to go? Where are we going to ascribe all of our value? Where are we going to put the things that really matter to us? What direction are we going? I love what Paul Tripp says. He says, we were not made to live independent, self-directed lives, which is the temptation, right? It's either horizontal or vertical. We were not meant to, to exist according to our own little self-oriented plans, living for our own moments of glory. No, we were created to live for Him. So with that being said, let's jump into Psalm 103. Hopefully, uh, this will be a psalm that you'll pick up and use all week long. But let's introduce Psalm 103. Uh, Brett began this uh, earlier. We talked about Psalm 103. One, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. So from here on out, as we take these verses, we want to personalize this. What does it look like for you to say to yourself, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. What what needs to happen? The word bless means this. In the Hebrew, the verb suggests the bending of the knee. That you would bend the knee of your soul by ascribing unspeakable value and displaying substantial love to God, or as we would certainly focus on, to focus on Jesus. You and I have a choice. Every morning when we get up, we have an opportunity of what direction we're going to worship, horizontally or vertically, and decide what's going to receive all my value, what's going to drive the way I live my life. And this says, you and I have an opportunity to tell our soul which way it needs to be going. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His own name. I'm going to bend the knee of my life to Him. Look at verse 2. Why should we bless the Lord? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Don't forget any of His benefits. He forgives all your sin. Oh, my word. I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? That we have a God who forgives all of our sins, not just some, not just uh, when we uh, uh, get our act together. He's willing to forgive all of our sins. He heals all our diseases. Now, quickly, your, your, your next thought probably is, well, I've lost some loved ones, so he didn't actually heal uh, them. And when you turn in prayer requests, which are easy to do on our website, we pray for God to heal uh, them physically or emotionally, whatever the prayer request is, or financially. But we also understand that God is a big enough God that even those who pass away, God has huge plans for them. This past, uh, this past in fact, yesterday, uh, Karen and I received uh, information that one of the men in our, lo- in our first church who just took us under his wing, who invested in us and loved us and was in, majorly involved in student ministry where Karen and I were involved, good old Holloway. He was with us from beginning to end, went on mission trips, came alongside. This guy, he just walked Jesus wherever he was. So he passed away at age 90. And we wept as we remembered all the great things that Holloway did 
But the beauty is we get to see him again. In fact, my folks are hanging out with him, right? And the beauty of being a follower of Jesus Christ, the beauty of putting your hope in, in the fact of that God is the creator of all, when you put your hope in him, when life ceases to exist on this side of eternity, those who give their life to Jesus, we see them again. And so we celebrate the fact that it's not goodbye, it is see you later. And so when it says we have a God who forgives all of our sin, who heals our diseases, sometimes on the front end of this and other times he heals uh, on, the, on the other side of, of creation, of, of, of eternity, we have a God who's with us. And Revelation 3 is an amazing chapter if you want to read about what's going on right now in heaven. He heals all diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. This changes how we worship because it just says he heals all our diseases. And many of us have lost and are in the process of losing some things uh, and, and the losses of life. It says, but look what he does. He redeems what he allows. When we put our hope and trust in God, he can redeem everything. Romans 8.20, he causes all things to work together for good for those who call him God, who seek him, who, who have this, this vertical uh, following of God in their life. That he pursues them and redeems even in the pits of life. He redeems your life. Notice what it is. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. This is an incredible God who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This word satisfied, it goes more than just temporary. It means it sustains us. That this God, he sustains us with good so that we can be renewed, so that we can face the, the, the difficulties of life. So given that, no wonder we would bend our knee and ascribe unspeakable value and substantial love to Jesus when he does this. Who forgives your sin, who heals your diseases or brings hope, who redeems your life from the pits, who crowns you with steadfast love, who satisfies you with good so that you can be renewed. Who, why would we not, why would our worship not change? Look at verse 8. The Lord is merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to be angry with you. In fact, he's overflowing and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his, his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Thank Jesus for that. He doesn't repay us according to our sins. In fact, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. In fact, as far as east is from west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. That alone should change the trajectory of our, of our worship. It is us saying that we're going to focus on the greatness of of God. Verse 13, as the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. There's no one like God. There is no one like him. This is incredible news. No wonder we would bend our knee and ascribe unspeakable value and display substantial love to Jesus, for we have a God who is like this. As far as east is from west, he remembers our sin, puts it away from us. 
that he treats us with what with love and compassion about this philippians 2 9 to 11 therefore god elevated jesus up to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all of the names that the name of jesus every knee should bow heaven and under the and every tongue to and confess that jesus christ is lord god the father every tongue confess that it is he and he alone who deserves our worship so as we come to worship we realize that we get to ascribe value. We get to give this extraordinary love and focus to God for all the things that he's done in past, in present, and trust him with the future. It's important that we reconnect with our worship and don't just come through our worship service and just come in and hydroplane across it, but, but instead prepare ourselves to worship and realize we have an opportunity to worship a God who's way bigger than anything else. We have that opportunity. I love what Ed Stetzer said. It's, it's a bit uh, disconcerting and encouraging at the same time. He says, The impact of our mission, which is to reach the next generation with the good news of Jesus, will be no greater than the honesty of our worship. Think about that for a minute. The impact of your life in impacting those in your concentric circle of relationships, your impact rises and falls on the honesty of your worship. And when you give secondary effort to a primary, then you get secondary results. But when you give primary effort to a primary God, you have amazing results because people see Jesus in you. 75% of the people whose lives are being transformed said, it is their personal worship, what happens during the week, and it is their corporate worship where they come and they listen and they, uh, they focus their worship and prepare to worship God. Worship has been going on for years and years. In fact, in Matthew chapter 2, we read this last month. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to give homage to him, to direct our thoughts and our worship and our soul to him, to bless the Jesus, oh, my soul. So what did Jesus do? How about this? If we're going to do what Jesus did in order to become like Jesus was, uh, Luke four sixteen, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. He went as usual, unless it was six degrees below zero and he went online. <laughs> he went as usual. You have no idea the impact of corporate worship of saying, I'm going to worship, and it's going to be something that I don't just put in a secondary place, but it becomes a driver for my soul all week long, and then to come together, whether online or come together in person, but to say, I'm going to join other followers of Jesus and, and let Jesus have some impact on my life as well. Worship is the act of filling your number one space with God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. A.W. Tozer said, we must never rest until everything inside us worships God. 
if that would be the only statement you would take and let that drive your soul this week to say, God, this week, don't give me rest until everything inside me worships you. In fact, search my heart, O God. We know this from Psalm 139. Search my heart, O God, and see if there's any area in my life that is not worshiping you. Reveal that to me. Where, do I, where am I ascribing value uh, that belongs to you? Where am I ascribing value to something or someone else? Only when the worship of God rules my heart, which means transformation, only when the worship of God rules my heart will I, will I set everything else in my life in its rightful place. You see, here's what happens when we worship in spirit and in truth, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your offering there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your offering to God. You see, when you worship God, he helps you to realize that it extends into relationships as well. That it's not... This, uh, these empty rooms where you have this room for God and this room for work and this room for other things that you have. It, all the doors are open. And when you worship God, he comes to you and says, I, I want you to make it right with this person. You haven't forgiven them or you know they have something against you. Go to them in a spirit of love because uh, conflicted relationships apparently affect our worship. As a pastor, I feel compelled to remind you, verse 24, after you leave your gift at the altar, then come back and give it. That was a joke. <laughs> the point of this is that when you're in worship, that where God points to you, and he says, I want your heart to be pure, and I want your heart to be right with others around you as well. What is worship? So let me close with these statements. Worship is an act of putting God first. That's what worship is. And so that's the beauty of coming into worship uh, on a daily basis. It's, a, it's a, an opportunity when you come in uh, online or in, in person to worship that you give God an opportunity to, to point out areas that are not focused on him. It's an act of putting God first. Second, worship recalibrates our values. Worship unifies us with God and unifies us with others. And the best part of worship, at least for me, it reminds us that we're part of a bigger story. So what is it, what, what, would, what would I, and I, what would I recommend in terms of of how we worship. This is, uh, this would basically be what I try to do, and I'm not recommending it necessarily, but I, it's a, it is an, an, a one opportunity that you might have. In prepping your heart for worship on a daily basis, and certainly, let's talk about corporate worship. One, commit to weekend worship. It matters. It matters. So commit. Don't don't let other things get in the way because of all those other things. Worship is an act of putting God first. It recalibrates our values. It unifies us with God and others. It reminds us we're part of a bigger story. And so when you're, when you're in worship, it reminds us that, 
that, that God is at, is at work and we can put our hope and trust in him. So commit to weekend worship. Commit to an engaging environment. I, I actually get up early on Sunday mornings and get my heart ready for worship. I, I try to get everything in order so that I'm not rushing around. And I would say for those of you online, that you, you make effort and get ready and, and don't just uh, run late, but make it an act, uh, uh, create an environment that makes it easy to, to engage and, not, and no distractions. Pray ahead of time, committing to listen to God's voice. Every time I come, I say, God, will you, will you reveal to me what, what I need to hear this morning through the songs, and, and which then leads me to the next. Commit to act on what you hear from God. To say, God, not only do I want you to speak to me, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. On the front end, I am on the, on the, uh, proactively saying I'm going to do that. Personalize the lyrics of the songs. There's so many. The, the songs that we pick are, are on purpose. And, and we try to be very careful in, in presenting uh, lyrics that are so biblically and theologically sound. And there are many times I'm, I just need to be reminded of a phrase going, that's not true of me, but I know it's true, but it's not true of me. God, I confess, as I sing this song to you, I confess that this is not true of me, but I want it to be. Engage element. Every element of the service, and when it comes to even our offering, that you say, God, as I offer my gifts, also offer my heart, offer my soul, offer this week, offer the priorities this week to you. And you come out and say, God, what, what did you reveal to me? One of the things that we are, uh, we are, we are doing this, uh, this particular series, we are uh, offering on Monday nights an opportunity for you to have some next step extras. And what that looks like, uh, you can find it on, uh, on our website uh, where we are Zooming together. But from 7 to 7.45, uh, we're just having discussion about today's topic. And, and it's a give and take. It's all kinds of conversation. We'll have a couple of people that will prompt ahead of time to share what they do to uh, to get ready for corporate worship and what that looks like for them to have daily worship with God. So we'll have a couple of people to offer. But it is for you to ask questions. Bet uh, and Brent and I will be hosting, but we will not do all the talking. We'll allow others to do the talking. I want to invite you to be a part of that from 7 to 7.45. It's just another way to say, what are other people doing? How do you engage? Uh, how do you make sure that you're not driven uh, by selfish motives in worship, and what does that look like? Uh, what's the difference between uh, uh, priorities and preferences in worship? And so an opportunity to have that conversation as well. We, church, we are committed to making sure that our lives are transformed, and one of those is going to be through effective worship, and we invite you to be a part of that as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you love us, that you care for us. And as we, as we think through Psalm 103 this week, God, may we direct our soul to focus on you. And I pray that any time this week that the, we give secondary things, primary values, God, would you tap on our, on our hearts and help us to realize that we are, are needing to make adjustments, that we need to recalibrate. Father, I pray that we would make our worship uh, 
pure and honest and full of passion. God, may you bring about transformation in our lives as we focus our worship on you and on you alone. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.